0: This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery.
1: Certainly there is a virtual component to all this. When we think of rural health systems, there's still more opportunity there for virtual to play a role in access both for local specialty providers or for patients who maybe need specialization in care outside and we can use virtual as a way to connect them to other providers.
0: Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. Today, we get to flip the script a little bit. I have to answer the questions I asked my colleague, Janelle Kwan, to join me because we worked on a body of research about what the rural system of care could and should look like in the best circumstances. And so Janelle wanted to get to be the host and ask me the question. So Janelle, you get the easy job today? That sounds right.
1: Well, I'm excited. Trevor has always been our fearless interviewer. So I love the opportunity to put him in the hot seat, but also to highlight so much of the wonderful work and research you've done over the last several years to support our rural health systems, both those who operate strictly in rural markets and those who, among their body of facilities, also support rural communities. So are you ready, Trevor?
0: Yes, please.
1: At SG2, we talk a lot about a system of care lens or approach as organizations think through their strategic vision and what to do next. Why is that lens particularly important when we think about rural health strategy specifically?
0: We always talk system of care and SG2 strategy, and I hope for our members it doesn't become a term that just is kind of gray because we say it so much. Especially in this case, the system of cares don't have really clearly defined geographic boundaries. And especially as the biggest tertiary systems continue to be focused on their capacity, the ones that have done it well, it really extends a long way geographically, attracting appropriate patients and having a good feeling for what that pipeline's gonna be. And most importantly, building the infrastructure to keep. Those patients local and smaller rural markets as much as possible. When it works well, the systems of care are really interconnected between smaller markets and larger markets, and the systems that are doing it well view it that way. And the second piece is whenever I'm talking with systems about rural health, about half my discussions are with small rural providers and about half are with big systems who are often saying, what's an easy button? How can we make this work a little better? Because there's a bunch of small rural hospitals in my market that aren't doing great. And it's really hard to coordinate with them. We could provide a bunch of virtual and digital tools to them that they would gobble up. But does that really solve one of their problems? Does it really solve one of our problems? If you start from the baseline that any improvement in access for a rural community is going to be a net positive because right now the disparity between providers it's like three to one from a population perspective in terms of providers per population in rural markets versus all others and that's not going to like shock or surprise anyone but the scale surprised even me and i lead our rural health research and look at this stuff all the time it reinforced how there's never going to be enough access and enough providers in rural markets so anything a big system can do to improve access is good Every time I'm on with a bigger health system, one of their stated goals is maintaining the financial viability of small rural hospitals because the worst case scenario is a small rural hospital has to close or eliminate services. And so big picture, something that a larger system can do that's not a huge capital expense, but that improves the financial viability of local rural hospitals is a net positive.
1: Something you said in the beginning really resonates as idea is that the system of care isn't just a physical footprint, especially when we think about rural sites. There are both those physical sites of care, but increasingly virtual and other forms of technology are playing, redefining where and when that care happens.
0: Totally. So I get to ask you a question because Janelle does lead our workforce research and Workforce is always such a big part of rural strategy. Sometimes maybe even too much so. I'll see a strategic plan. It's like ortho strategy. It's like, recruit another ortho doc. It's like, well, that's not the whole strategy. But yeah, workforce has to be a huge piece of it. You get to have workforce discussions with systems around the country. What's the rural specific spin right now?
1: Within one question, you've turned it back to me. When we think about rural workforce strategy, for a lot of reasons, it's very prominent. The workforce challenges we see happening across health systems is something that they feel, for lack of better description, the rural setting, particularly acutely. There's some levers, if we think about it, that offers a little bit of glimmer of hope and opportunity for rural health systems to think about not just how do I attract talent to serve in our community and our patients, but what I can do to rethink how I leverage that talent. One in particular is rural health systems have deep-seated ties to the communities that they serve. You and I were just on site with a health system, serves a rural market a few weeks ago, and that tie was so acutely felt. That's something that you can use to your advantage. Specifically, where are there opportunities to partner with other local organizations to help build your talent pipeline? More and more, we're seeing organizations, especially our rural systems, be really creative and ambitious. And that's entailed reaching and trying to identify talent earlier, not when they've decided to study something in college or they're returning to something, but really at the high school level. We've seen examples of organizations partnering with their local high schools to build curriculum, even high schools that have healthcare specific curriculum, both as a way to expose students to opportunities in healthcare that they weren't aware of, but also to give them opportunities to earn credit that allows them to take on a job when they graduate or build towards continuing education. The other lever is the roles of community colleges within some of these rural communities. How can you as a health system partner with them to have a steady feeder program? Maybe that is through degree granting or certificate programs to build the next generation of talent or even working with them for continuing education opportunities. So for some of your current staff who want to stay within the health system but are looking for opportunities to be able to grow within a role or maybe transition to a different type of role. Both of these are ways to build a talent pool locally. But also an equally important to be able to keep that talent local and to avoid that brain drain that we hear a lot of communities say they struggle with. The other area to look on, this is a word that comes up a lot, but it is incredibly important, is this idea of care redesign. How can we rethink how care is delivered and where that care is delivered and who delivers that care? Rural health systems have an opportunity for the lead role by some of their advanced practice providers. So is there a way for them to own management of certain segments of patient populations? And then when higher acuity care is needed, be able to refer that to a primary care physician. So that's a primary care lens for specialty care. Are there opportunities opportunities for them to manage different segments of care, pre- and post-op care, including for patients when they return back to the community. That opportunity to lead and to truly be able to practice at top of license for some new APP candidates may be an enticing option to align what they were trained to do with the work that they do day to day. Certainly there is a virtual component to all this. When we think of rural health systems, there's still more opportunity there for virtual to play a role in access, both for local specialty providers or for patients who may Maybe need specialization and care outside and we can use virtual as a way to connect them to other providers. I feel like you have continually talked to some of our rural health systems. Any other workforce ones that maybe I missed?
0: Nothing to add. Just that a lot of the members I work with have in the last two years started doing a lot of those things, whether it's partnerships with local colleges and universities and high school, knowing that workforce redesign has to be somewhere on their strategic roadmap. We're in the doing phase now. It was always viewed as a need to have with less urgency. And this is a different scale of urgency now
1: we talk a lot about virtual with our health systems that are rural-based, there's some hesitation. And that's incredibly valid. Sometimes it's broadband. Sometimes it's they had a certain dynamic and relationship with the patients. And there's worry that virtual somehow jeopardized that. But I guess I would flip that and say one of the defining features of rural health systems is the level of trust that patients have for their provider. If their provider feels confident that they can deliver care virtually and maintain that strong relationship, I think that can go a really long way in easing some of the hesitation that patients feel. Your providers have a unique and powerful voice and can be part of that bridging and allowing that adoption to happen and maybe a quicker rate of change that we have seen in the last few years, if we're being honest. All right, Trevor, I'm going to return you to the hot seat. You work with a lot of our rural members and you also work with larger regional systems that happen to have or operate hospitals that are in rural communities. What do you feel like are some universal opportunities for both of those groups?
0: Yeah, I'm going to start with the partnership competency. There's so many partnerships that already exist that are necessary, even as simple as transfer agreements between rural hospitals and others. But so often those relationships fall on the CEO and maybe one other member of the C-suite team there needs to be another layer of sophistication and organization and operations about one managing those partnerships but two thinking strategically about which partnerships to invest in rural health systems can be picky and say actually we don't have a local partner that's great so we have to come up with a different solution and then also thinking about how to be a good partner what does this partner need from us it's often pretty focused on here's what we need so thinking of it as just core competency that needs to grow. The second piece that's just a universal need to do is invest in the digital foundation. It's as simple as most, and I'm totally confident and comfortable saying this, most rural health systems and hospitals' websites look a little clunkier and more outdated than big health systems. It stinks because it's so cost prohibitive, but acknowledgement that there has to be digital transformation, there has to be investment in the foundation. The second piece, and these two are so interconnected, is reinforcing the role of primary care and letting primary care be successful in these rural markets. You're never going to be able to recruit enough to meet demand. you got to get creative on the primary care side and on the specialty side. It's around access. Similarly, it's just never going to make sense to have a cardiologist, a urologist, an endocrinologist in every small market, but at the same time, it's a huge population-based need so how do you find creative ways to get that expertise It doesn't mean only virtually to connect to those patients?
1: So I want to follow up on the primary care part. When we talk about primary care and specialty access, it's often in the lens of a workforce shortage. And sometimes that can be an inhibitor to figuring out what is a sustainable solution. What can be done? You've talked about the access piece. Are there any other ways that health systems or in rural markets can go about that, short of just finding additional providers to be able to deliver that care?
0: I don't think we should discount the workforce piece, but it has to almost just be a new layer. Yeah, we can think about growth strategies, but there has to be a workforce redesign component. That's part of that. It's going to have to be less physicians and more APP and others focused in primary care. I'm thinking integrating behavioral health, integrating pharmacists, social workers. All those things are hard to recruit in rural markets, but there's always options, especially if you're operating through like a rural health clinic where you can use licensed clinical social workers to do a lot of that behavioral health work and get reimbursed at a higher level. There's always ways, and rural hospitals are the best at getting creative there. Just the expectation that growth strategies have to equal workforce redesign. And then the second piece is any of those strategies. need to start being more segmented and more focused on specific population groups. If you start from the premise and at a really high level, most rural health system leadership teams would acknowledge this. We definitely can't meet all the needs of the populations we serve. And that could go beyond healthcare needs and go into health equity and social determinants of health needs, where we try to meet some of those needs that are low-hanging fruit or where it makes sense that there's just no alternatives in our market, but we're never going to meet everything. And unfortunately, that forces really tough decisions about if you're going to say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. Being really focused on consumer segments in most rural markets, the over 65 population is a bigger proportion than in most other markets and growing quickly, usually the fastest growing segment. So that's probably a low hanging fruit opportunity to zero in, especially from a primary care perspective and feeling like you have a really good wraparound services for the 65 plus population. And then back to partnerships, thinking about partners to fill gaps and knowing that it's okay to say we're not going to do a few things if that's always going to be really hard for the local market to hear, but better to say it now than to try to do everything and just not do it great.
1: That's a paradigm shift, right? Health systems, rightfully so, have this legacy of we're all things to all people, especially our rural health systems. But I think you're bringing up a good point of that's not sustainable. And when we do that, we don't necessarily do a good job of it. So where is the greatest need that we can do? And then when we see gaps in care, what can we partner very deliberately, intentionally to be able to provide that care?
0: And I think rural health systems are better at it than bigger health systems at saying no, because they're more realistic about the resource constraints.
1: Absolutely. I think they've had to make those decisions. It's a nice example of momentum to kind of carry forward to some of these other conversations. We have started to talk a lot about the digital divide and you and I have conversations have talked about how it feels like it's further exacerbating between haves, we have some early movers and then have nots. We get a lot of pushback, rightfully so from rural systems saying it costs too much money and we don't feel as though our patients want it. What would you say to that if we were to take it that digital is here?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you need the data to help prove it, we have plenty. And the challenge is that data is often met with local anecdotes. I'm sure you've been in these meetings too. I've been in plenty where it's a couple physician voices saying, yeah, my patients have said they're not crazy about virtual visits and everyone just nods along like, yep, people like it less in our market. And it just is accepted. Our data reinforces that rural markets and patients in rural markets are less willing to move to virtual visits, but it's only about one or 2% different than all other markets in the country. That's not even really a statistically significant amount when we're talking about big patient populations and the portion of them that's willing to move a segment of their care to virtual visits. If it was 20 or 30 percentage points different and you just say, wow, there's something about living in a rural market, the relationship they have with providers, the age of the population, they look at it totally different. They don't look at it totally different. It's really similar and really close. First, I encourage everyone to rely on those local anecdotes less and push back with some real data or get some better local data, get some better, more precise consumer insights. The second piece is, and we know this and saw this, but it can also be kind of invisible. All the big health systems that surround rural markets increased their digital reach in the last couple of years. Patients in any rural market are seeing outreach and push from local big health systems. And guess what? Their digital front door looks a lot smoother and is locked or closed a lot less of the time than the local health system. You can't let that perception Increase the visual that, face it, a lot of patients are interacting with your health system digitally. And that could just mean looking up an answer to a question or scheduling on your website. If it looks outdated and old, it's just going to feel different than the other types of healthcare companies, both big regional systems and those that are new disruptors, new entrants, or part of a big insurance company. It's going to look and feel different. So you can't get left in the digital dust here. You just have to keep up. And then the last one, maybe I'm talking partnership too much, but part of being a good partners, you're going to have to be able to share data and you're going to have to be able to ask partners for data and actually be able to deal with it. And so building the infrastructure so that you can be a good digital partner to other health systems and others in your community is just table stakes.
1: I think it really stood out to me your idea of these larger houses systems are circling and are playing with the geography. Geography is no longer a physical space. Digital has allowed them to extend that footprint. We've seen it also in the survey data, in addition to what you said, Trevor, about there not being really a demonstrable difference in terms of attitudes. A common theme that we do see across the data is people don't want a transactional experience. They like the idea of virtual as a convenience so they can be seen from home, but they want to see the provider of choice. They want that continuity. And I think that's important for rural health systems that kind of take knowledge that virtual can be a way to safeguard that relationship when there's difficulty or access getting someone in the door. That can be a way for them to see their provider more easily. It's just where that's happening from is a little bit different.
0: For sure. Data we synced up showing visit volume, syncing up with our Visium vulnerability index, which shows at the zip code level, the vulnerability of those patients to adverse health outcomes based on a bunch of environmental factors. And no surprise, the group that's utilizing virtual health the least is probably the one that would hope has the biggest opportunity, which is rural populations that are the most vulnerable. And we could blame it all on broadband, but there's 10 ways to work around that, including simply having the... Specialty consults happen while the patient's in another provider's office. We have to use that data as a call to arms, not an excuse.
1: I love that. Call to arms, call to action, and not a no. What benefit can rural hospitals and regional health systems hope to gain by partnering with one
0: another? From the bigger health systems perspective, the number one thing that they express interest in, and this makes total sense, is the financial health of the smaller rural hospitals. Without thinking about capital investment, it's essential for a bigger health system to have faith that the smaller rural hospitals are going to stay financially viable. That's an easy objective. And there's a bunch of administrative partnerships we've seen there around IT, billing, HR support that can help do that. We're talking about a deeper level of partnership and coordination. The second piece is around access and outcomes. There's plenty of ways to measure and plenty of places that we could point to where rural markets have worse access and worse outcomes. And so systems, they have no shortage of searching for health equity opportunities, but rural can always be one of those where even if it's something as simple, and this is one where there's such a clear mutual benefit for both the local and bigger health system cancer screenings. The local hospital keeps the imaging revenue. The bigger system gets to treat patients earlier, have more successful interventions, send them back to the local market for follow-up care. The bigger brand name helps with awareness around the screenings. That's enormous improvement to access and outcomes and a benefit for both health systems. The last benefit for the bigger systems: is more reliable referral channels. Traditionally, smaller markets have been seen as more variable in terms of referral pipelines. Investing in those relationships and face it, that always includes one-on-one relationships between providers. Providers is essential and allows our planners to do a more thorough and reliable planning around referrals from those markets. Those are mostly benefits of the bigger system too. And as I often get the question from that perspective, those are all important pieces to keep in mind. And some of those have clear downstream procedural volumes and revenue, but not all of them.
1: I like that. So often we think of these as one-sided, one is game, but there is the cost, quality and access piece and the equity that all intersects when those partnerships are done well.
0: I'm hopeful. I think they can do it. Rural hospitals have an awful lot of scrap in them. So I think if we give them an opportunity, they will overperform. I think so too. Janelle, good job. Thank you for teeing up the questions So I didn't just have to monologue for 20 minutes here. Great job being a host and we'll have you back as the host and interviewer anytime. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts.